award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We're glad you're tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Got a great show for you today, as always, Mr. Don King helping me co-host. You bet. You bet. Thanks, Jason, for the invite. Yeah, I'm excited about today's guest. Yeah, me too. Our new executive director, Mr. Bobby Wilson, is joining us today, and uh, we're excited to find out how his life has changed in the last I month bet or so. It's changed a lot. Yeah. Just, just a little just bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bobby, we're glad to have you. Great to have you here. I know what you've been in this role for six months from now? Or? Uh, June 1st. June 1st. Was okay. this, yeah, so it's almost four months, I guess. All right. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Feels like four years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, things have changed for you for sure. I know uh, you've been in the director's office for a while now but now you've taken on the head position that's that's correct i was the deputy director from actually september 1st 2015 until june 1st of 2020 so almost five years all right all right and i appreciate your willingness to take that role on bobby because you know it's a heavy load it really is there there's a lot of demand on on your time and and all and uh, but i appreciate you uh, well, thank jumping you. in and doing it Thank you. I, it never really was a uh, career goal of mine. Uh, when I wanted, right? Yeah. When I first went to college, I thought I want to be a, I want to be working outside. That's uh-huh. all I cared about. Yeah. And then when I finally specified fisheries, kind of, I think, well, maybe I'll be a fisheries biologist, and that'll be perfect. I could, that'd be my career. Sure. All I want to do is be a fisheries biologist. And then it just things happen. Mm. You know, just keep on. I guess. I remember the first time I met you was at Lake Graham. Yes. And you were doing fish fisheries work i was yeah there was back in the good old days Uh (laughs) uh-huh so um when you were choosing your career path what was it outdoors all the time was it uh, a wildlife or fisheries degree you were looking at or were you thinking about anything outdoors Uh, actually it was anything but i really wanted to work in wildlife or fisheries okay uh because the degree was wildlife management gotcha okay and uh and i really wanted to work once i found out about twra and and just had some friends there and and uh, I thought, this is what I don't want to do. I want to go work for Tennessee Wildlife. But if I can't get on with them, I, I'll go do whatever I can and get some experience and maybe come back later. So. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So um, let's talk about who introduced you and got you into the outdoors to even get you on this path. I mean, have you always hunted and fished and been outdoors as a kid and that kind of thing? You know what? Uh, my dad wasn't really a hunter or fisherman. Now, he... I liked the outdoors as a kid. I liked to catch turtles when I was younger, and that, that was just that was my passion to catch mm-hmm. turtles. And I'd keep them in a in a in something back when you could keep them, yeah, uh, in a pail or bucket <laughs> or something for a week or two, and then I'd let them go. But I just okay, I had I had a whole I was probably have fifty different kinds of turtles. No, I wouldn't different kinds, but fifty turtles with you know snapping turtles and red-eared sliders, and then the map turtles and box turtles and wow. and soft shell turtles. I had them all, and I would just collect them and feed them for a little while and then t- turn them loose after a while and uh, but that w- that piqued my interest i wanted to raise turtles when i was a kid i hmm. said, i'm gonna do that i'm gonna raise turtles there was some of that from seven mile creek here near no the- no I'm, okay. i grew up in west national oh, okay so, all right uh, yeah it, there were some creeks over there close to the river uh-huh. cumberland river and and uh but but my dad would take us fishing mostly because i would pester him to death <laughs> say, i want to go fishing <laughs> he would go and he he enjoyed it too but uh, and and my, I didn't really specialize. It was just fish, 
usually hook and line mm-hmm. uh, with a, a worm or minnow or something like that. Just want sure. to catch a fish. Yeah. And I still do. Like uh-huh. that. I still like that too. But I do the other kind of fishing as well. Um, but then he didn't really hunt. He wasn't a hunter. Uh, and I always kind of wanted to hunt. I'd take my BB gun out and I would shoot blackbirds. And uh, <laughs> I knew back, even when I was 10 or 11 years old, I knew what the, the nuisance non-native birds were uh-huh. and i knew that not to shoot the songbirds but shoot sure. the black birds because they were like the starlings who who were you know nuisance invasive species uh-huh. really and so uh but that just got me interested in as i got older uh and hunting and a neighbor up the street he he was um he was a dove hunter or he went dove hunting and he uh-huh. took me one time and i got to retrieve his dove for doves for him and uh and then eventually i borrowed his shotgun when i was old enough and and uh Went out dove hunting myself. And, oh, neat. And I just took it up from there. I didn't really do any big game hunting until I got to college, and I was majoring in wildlife management at Tennessee Tech. And a lot of folks, a lot of classmates were from the smaller towns around Cookville. And, sure. And they all deer hunted, and they, they got me into it, and I've been deer hunting ever since. Oh, neat. Yep, started off with bow and arrow, and I uh, just still like to archery hunt. Uh-huh. So that's my favorite. Right now is the time to be out there. Archer season's wide open. Have you been out at no, all? And what are we doing here, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> We're shooting a wildcat. We I have to get these in. Uh, when I was younger, I was I would go. I mean, I couldn't even sleep the night before opening day of bow season. I was, yeah. I was so excited about it. Right. And I didn't care if it was 100 degrees, which it usually is, and uh, <laughs> mosquitoes and everything else. But not as this I've, year. As I've gotten older, the opening day is not as critical because usually because of sea ticks and mosquitoes and i'll usually wait until after it gets cooler like the, like it is now right and it'll be good it's a perfect time to go this week and maybe this weekend yeah and i think i'm gonna try to go like friday saturday morning or something and but it's um you know it's just not i'm still passionate about it but i'm older and wiser i guess uh-huh. <laughs> mosquitoes and the heat and all that just don't uh, oh but but i'll go i think was it last year year before you killed a nice uh, maybe further back, time flies, but you killed a nice buck not too long ago. It was about two years ago, muzzleloader. Okay. You know, not with a bow, a muzzleloader. Yeah. I wish I could have killed it with a bow. Yeah. It was a 155-inch Wow. Uh, 11-point buck, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, Davidson County deer. Was it on public land or private land? No, it was on private land. Out in, uh, out in I can't say where, but let's just yeah. say west. You got your spot. Yeah. West Davidson County, maybe. <laughs> cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, those are fun. I mean, uh, that's, a, that's a deer of a lifetime. People in Tennessee would be I'll be glad to have a 150, oh, yeah. you know, 155. I, don't, I doubt if I'll ever get one bigger, so mm. it's nice. Yeah, that's cool. So um, you 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 went to college and, and came to the agency as a fish head, right? I did. Uh, in fact, back up real quick. So sure. when I went to college, I majored in pre-med my freshman year. And uh-huh. I went to Memphis State University, and, and then I happened to visit Tennessee Tech campus. My cousin was going to school there, and I was looking through their catalog, course catalog, and I found a major that said wildlife management. I said, I'm going to do that. Mm. So okay. then I transferred to Tech, and that's how I learned how I came something into today. Yeah. I had no idea about the pre-med Yeah, track. I was going to be a wow. – uh, Probably a ph- I worked for a pharmacy when I was, uh, you know, like a pharmacist assistant uh-huh. in high school, and I thought, well, I guess I could always do that. Yeah. And I thought, well, I don't really want to do it. Uh, <laughs> those guys work hard, and they stand on their feet all the time, and, and uh, you know, it's a it's a tough life. But I thought that would be pretty good. Uh-huh. I'd, I'd at least done that. And then when I found out about the wildlife management, that just changed my mind there. Oh, yeah. So, But, but uh, yeah, with Tennessee Tech, degree in wildlife, um, stayed out about a year and a half after I got my degree, tried to get on with the agency. It's tough, took, tough to get in, isn't it? Took the wildlife officer test. I passed it, came in for the interviews. 
They didn't hire me, mm. which was probably the best thing for this agency. Wow. Back in the day. <laughs> and then I, I had some other jobs. I worked at Land Between Lakes as an intern. And then I had the opportunity to go back to Tennessee Tech for a one-year job appointment to work with the Tennessee Cooperative Fishery Research Unit okay. as, a, as a project leader, helping other graduate students with their research. And my major professor, Dr. Frank Bulow, said, well, if you're going to go back and help graduate students, you might as well go ahead and get your master's degree, too, in fisheries. And I said, I don't, I can't write. I'm terrible in English. <laughs> Writing was my worst <laughs> subject. I thought, you got to write a thesis. I'll never do it. But I went ahead and enrolled and took the classes, and it was, it was good. It's, you know, stuff that you like. Oh, not, yeah. Not like physics or English, those classes. It was like biometrics or fish population dynamics or sure. fun stuff. You're in I mean, there because you, you want to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So went back and got a master's wrote my thesis, by the way, and uh, it got passed and approved, and I got a master's degree. And then went to work at uh, Lake Graham as my first full-time job with T.W. Ray in 1980. And that's one of our family fishing lakes, right? Yep. Yeah, when I was there, they they were building the dam. It wasn't even a lake yet. It was just oh, right. yeah. under construction. And then, uh, so I was there. I got to see it built from basically the ground up and was uh-huh. there all the time and and uh, just stocked it and watched it, watched it grow and, and took care of it. And it became a fisheries biologist about five years later. Uh-huh. Um, and then about 13 years later, uh, was promoted to the assistant chief of fisheries, which means I moved to Nashville from Jackson. Right. But but I'm from Nashville, so it was good coming back home. Uh-huh. And, um, even though it took me about two years to acclimate again to the big city life. <laughs> uh, but but anyway, I'm glad to be here. And then I became chief of fisheries in 2010, and then of course 2015 deputy director and now director. Yeah. Wow. What so. a, that's a that's a great track. It really is. And you know we are really blessed in this state with some great schools to go to to groom right. folks for for this line of work you know we, you we talk are. about tech tennessee tech ut of course UT, and ut martin no, ut martin ut knoxville uh cleveland state there's a few other smaller colleges that offer a limited wildlife UTC program but, but our bigger ones are ut martin tennessee tech and and uh, ut knoxville they have the they have the the uh, wildlife right. chapters there and the fisheries chapters there, and they a lot more involved. But but uh, that's not to say some of these other universities don't offer good curriculum, right. good programs. Yep. Uh, in fact, the junior college, uh, the community college, or junior college things they can go to and get their a lot of their coursework out of the way, and then transfer to uh-huh. like a tech or UT Martin or UT Knoxville and finish off their degree. So. Lots of opportunities out there. And, you know, it's it's very competitive, you know, when folks get out of school. Uh, you know, when, when wildlife officer interviews are going on, mm-hmm. boy, it's a parade of really, really top-notch folks coming through the door. And it, it really is. And and, uh, and I feel sorry for those that don't get hired on uh-huh. because I know that's what they went to school for. That's their passion. They right. spent four years or more getting a degree, and then you come here and they, they do – they don't do the test anymore, but they do the interviews. And it could come down to – they may interview like 20 people for 10 jobs. Uh-huh. I take it back. They start off with about 150 people. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> applicants come in, and then they have to weed through those and just get down to those with degrees in wildlife or fisheries. Uh-huh. You could have a degree in biology with a background in criminology or ecology or something. They don't even look at those because they got so many – students out there they graduated with degrees in wildlife or fishers they just picked them right and that may get them down to about 75 uh-huh. people and then they go through a quick interview process i know we're probably boring everybody but go through a quick interview process maybe 20 or 30 minutes 
And then out of that, they pick like a finalist a list of maybe 20 people. Right. And especially we hired, I think, 10 or I believe 11. And uh, so it was a hard choice. I mean, any of those 20, uh-huh. and probably beyond that, would have been good wildlife officers. Yeah. But they had to pick, and uh, some didn't get it. And maybe several of them, I think, this was their third or fourth time. Well, anything. like you said, you, the first time wasn't the charm for you. It wasn't you know, not it, right. You had to come exactly. back around yeah. and, and interview again. So my message is really, and I tell students this all the time, if that's your passion, if that's what you really want to do, just be patient, uh-huh. get some experience if you can, and just keep coming back. And eventually it'll happen. And you get hired on, it'll be a lifetime career for you. I know those internships are so important they because really are. a lot of the folks that end up getting hired here have had good experience through right. those internships and, yep. and volunteer work. Yeah, the internships mm-hmm. help them get the experience, but also helps our people look at them and see if they're right. good workers. See them in action. Kind of give them a, you know, maybe a, a a good letter of recommendation or something like that to whoever's hiring them or something. So uh-huh. that helps a lot too. And then the, uh, we've mentioned it before on the show, but then they take the next step and go to the, our new law enforcement academy that we're putting on sp- specifically for our guys right? and uh, and take it from there. So then yep. they, they learn the ropes and go to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, they, they go through a lot. It's yeah. a 20-week 20, 20 course, mm-hmm. and they're there now, as a matter of fact. And uh, they'll, they'll go for five days at a time and go home on weekends and come back, and they work. They study at night, mm-hmm. and they don't have a lot of time for any kind of entertainment or uh, anything going on outside of, of books and studying and yeah and it's a tough it's really tough it's physically demanding too mm-hmm. and so, the workout room is pretty impressive yeah, right you know that they've <laughs> right. got set up for for all that so, so whenever when they're out of there they graduate i just want to say hey i'm impressed and yeah you i want to shake your hand you you made it this far you got selected you passed we hired you made it through the academy uh-huh. uh you're something else yeah you usually are so yeah well, let's uh, switch gears a little bit and, and just talk about how life's changed. Uh, what have you been up to since you've taken on a director director role? What's uh, What's been going on? Anything in particular? Well, um, the there's a lot going on right now, and uh, we have some bigger issues that we'll probably get to in a minute. But um, it seems like there's more time on the phone that I spend talking <laughs> to people yeah. in, in Zoom meetings now than I right. did before. Uh, more demand for my time uh, mm-hmm. because people want the director to come speak or they want the director to come do this. And, and I, it's fine because I've got the time. I love doing it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy doing it. We had to give a presentation in a couple of weeks on a Zoom about TWA. Okay. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So I like talking about our agency and what we do. Well, there's been some new things come up. Um, and you mentioned this at the, the commission meeting last week. Uh, there's a new Asian CARP commission. Tell us about that and what that's all about. Yeah, the governor um, issued an executive order to, to create this Asian Carp Advisory Committee or Commission, and just um, to look at the what's out there, what's going on with the Asian Carp. As you know, we have a, a they've invaded our waters, mm-hmm. the Tennessee River and the Cumberland River. They're not completely up all the rivers yet. Uh, we're hoping to stop them before yeah. they do, and that's part of our plan. Right. So we just want to get. Uh, I think the idea is that for this commission to 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 uh, work together with other departments and figure out a way to to fund some of these things like these barriers, these mm-hmm. electronic barriers, or maybe a sound barrier, bubbles, or light, yeah. which they're trying right now at Lake Barkley. Hopefully, it'll be successful. If it is, we plan to use something similar to that at other dams, especially Kentucky Dam, because the one at Barkley is the first dam from the from the Ohio River. Mm-hmm. So. And so there's another one on Kentucky Dam. There's a lock. They come through the locks when the, when the barges go through. 
And as long as those locks are open, as long as barges keep coming through and the water keeps coming in for a while, we're going to have a continuous supply of Asian carp coming in. Mm-hmm. So if we can stop that, or at least stop them from coming in, then we can uh, fish them down with commercial fishing methods, and, and we're doing that too with uh-huh. this, uh, this Asian carp harvest incentive program where we actually pay a little money on top of what they're already getting paid for per pound on these yeah. fish to kind of provide us some incentive and and it's working bringing in a lot of fish bringing a lot of fish i think you know we don't anecdotally we hear reports i have and other people have too the f- people out in the field of fishermen are not seeing as many as they were they're mm-hmm. still seeing them but they're not seeing as many the commercial fishermen having a harder time catching them which tells me they're kind of thinning them out a little yeah, bit. yeah doing doing good work and we've been lucky in that we've not had a significant spawn since 2015 we know that there's maybe a little bit of spawning going on, or maybe they come through the locks, you know, some little ones yeah. do, and we think, well, that could be. But mm-hmm. but 2015, we had a really big spawn in both systems, and there were just a lot of them. And that's what mm-hmm. people are seeing now when they jump. These five-pounders to, to eight-pounders, they jump out of the water and scare everybody to yeah. death and jump in their boat. And this is nothing new. I mean, we've been you've been working on this since you were in fisheries. Oh, yeah. Trying to combat these things. Right. I can remember the first one I ever saw was in 2001 on the Mississippi River. Mm. And it was a big head carp. And then I think we went back again and found a little one on the Mississippi. And we uh-huh. said, uh-oh, they're reproducing. I mean, this is not that long ago, not even 20 years ago. And then we found one that looked different than the big head carp. We couldn't figure it out because we didn't know what it was. And we realized it was a silver carp. And those are the jumping fish, mm-hmm. the silver ones. And then they, in no time, they were pretty thick in the Mississippi River and in the Oxbow Lakes and all the little fingers that go to it and then uh, of course they made their way up through the Ohio River and up into the Kentucky right. lock and through the lock and Barkley lock into the lakes so that's where they are now luckily they're they're, they're not like a, they don't race to the, to the end they occupy an area and they swim around in big groups and then they'll feed on the plankton that's there usually and then they'll migrate up slowly mm-hmm. so they it, we're lucky that that's not been just one of those things where they just get into the lake system and go all the way to the very end as fast as they can mm. Sometimes a big head carp will do that, uh, big, you know, solitarily. They don't travel in pods like the silvers do. Silvers kind of stick around. When food's gone, they move up, or if they want to spawn or attempt to spawn, they'll move up to the – Okay. That's how they do it. So we're just we're just kind of fortunate in a lot of ways, but I think also uh, our actions of, of reducing the population down is helping doing some research on them because, uh, you know, we don't know – part of the research is determine their uh, density. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if we're doing any good if we're – you know, if we don't – have a way of determining whether they're reducing their numbers or not. So that's part of the research that's going on now. Yeah, and we've got a, a guy upstairs that's uh, handling all that for us now. Cole, he's the guy who focuses on that, and yep. we got a we got a, a clear focus and a direction going up there. So we're, we're not just laying back and watching them. We're doing some work on them. So we're right, and also we created uh, four new positions too to work with Asian carp. Okay, and so soon, hopefully, they'll be announced. To be filled, and we'll have even more bodies on the water. That's great. Trying to help uh, control them and manage them. Like you said, this isn't something new to the agency. I remember early, early on, like, like 2000, 2001, Bill Dance did the did a video right. down at uh, McKellar, McKellar Lake, Lake, right, and uh, highlighting, you know, what was, hey, this potential. Yep. You know, so yep. it's on Bill Dance's radar too. Big yeah. He's, as a matter of fact, you know, the raffle. It just took place was a fish part of it was a fishing trip with Bill. Right. Bill said he would be willing to do it as long as the money that may be generated part of the money would go towards uh, control of Asian culture. Uh-huh. So we said, Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Awesome. Very passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, 
something else I'd marked down here was the incinerator. You want to tell folks about what's going on with that, CWD? I know we're hitting all the low topics today. I know. But, these but are, both, both these are non-native invasive right, animals yeah. that, that, that we've had, we're having to deal with. The Asian carp, we're, we've got a good plan for them, uh, and I think we're heading in the right – I know we're heading in the right direction with mm-hmm. them. The chronic wasting disease is uh, something relatively new for us. We've, they, we've known about it for two years now. And uh, and it's just it's a you know, devastating disease. It's always fatal to deer. I, you know, I think most people know about it. Uh-huh. And it's in the southwest part of our state. Again, luckily that disease doesn't travel very fast either. Right. So we've we may have had it for a few years, and it's really kind of concentrated in that right along the Mississippi state line of Fayette and Hardeman County. But it's moved out. We know there's some. We're picking up a few uh, from the deer harvested. What they call sparks that mm-hmm. are kind of outside the that. That, Outside that core the, area, yeah, right, that hot zone. But uh, one of the things that um, that we ran into that last year was that the a lot of the processors in that area, um, when they get when they process deer, they they haul off to the landfill. Well, a couple of landfills said we're not going to take the deer carcasses unless we know that these are are a non-positive mm-hmm. for CWD if they've been tested and they're they're clear they can come. But if they if they don't know, we don't take a chance. As you know, the CWD has never been known to affect a human, right. ever. And it's been around for 50 years, uh, not in Tennessee, but through the country. Now. Uh-huh. So we're the 26th state to have it now. And, um, but at the same time, there's the CDC recommends don't eat them mm-hmm. uh, just right. out of precaution. So, yeah. so, it's, so the, you know, the landfills won't take them. Uh, so through research and what other states have done, we know that they can be incinerated. But it can't just be incinerated like burn them up and their prions are gone. <laughs> got to get That's, them hot, right? Got them really hot, mm-hmm. like 1,800 degrees. So we've uh, we allocated some money, our commission did, to, uh-huh. to go towards the purchase of one to be located at the Fayette County landfill. And um, we're, we got we got the, a bid set out, but there's some details to be worked out. We haven't worked out all those details yet, and hopefully okay. we'll get those worked out in the next month or so. And it'll be on board by the time – Deer season gets here next year. That's what we're counting on. Gotcha. Yeah, that'll be good. Yep, it's a it's a big deal. We our agency folks are not incinerator experts. I mean, we're wildlife and fisheries <laughs> people. We don't know anything about incinerators. Yeah. So yeah. we've had to learn. A lot of our guys have had to learn. They've learned a lot about them. I'm still not experts because there's some things that that we found out uh, after the bid went out that weren't exactly in the specs like they uh, we'd hope they'd be or or. And then we found out later with Dick, huh? we didn't know about that because we're not experts. But there, we're learning. There was a recent commission meeting where they had a, a really good presentation about that incinerator and, and what all were all the plans were putting in place. So right. you might, uh, you know, the viewers, listeners might want to go back and, and take a yep. look at that because there's a lot of good detail in there. And I, I learned a lot, right. you know, in that meeting. Uh, but, yeah, once that thing gets up and running, it's like a 24-7 deal, isn't right. it? I yes. mean, they're, they're planning on cranking uh, through, the, through the carcasses right. and everything. Yeah, they are. And, it, of course, it won't be a year-round thing, obviously. It's just during a deer season. Right. So we're talking about three or four months. Right. But it'll time. be an intense, be intense. Uh, operation during mm-hmm. those times. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, along those same lines of CWD, we want folks to – Keep harvesting deer. That's yes. that's the big thing. Uh, shoot more deer. Take advantage of those uh, earn a bucks and that kind of right. thing. If you right. So uh, check out our website tnwildlife.org to get all the details on that yep. or cwdintennessee.com. Um, but yeah, there's we want people to continue hunting in West Tennessee and 
And yeah, our, our, the hunters are our biggest ally in this in the fight against the chronic wasting disease. Right. We, we have to have them to keep on harvesting deer mm-hmm. and to control those numbers and keeping them from spreading and all that. So it's now more than ever. Now more than ever. And in, I think the average is about maybe 10% in that area of the maybe only 10%, like 10 out of 100 might have the test positive for the CWD. Uh-huh. So that means there's still 90% that are, there's nothing wrong with them right, anyway, right. even if, you know, even if it was a bad enough to affect humans, but it's not. So, uh, but, but anyways, just have your animal tested if you're in that area uh-huh. be, to be safe. And if it comes back negative, you're good to go. If it's a positive, we'll just, you know, you have to get rid of it. Yep. So. All right. Well, uh, before we run out of the time, I thought we might touch on, um, Life around COVID. I mean, we're still, you know, numbers are going up and down and fluctuating, but our offices are still closed to the public as far as the Nashville office goes. Right. I think uh, regional offices are open, uh, limited hours and things, and folks can come in and buy licenses and that sort of thing. But how are we as an agency? Tell the folks how we're uh, working around with, with COVID, how the office protocols have changed and things like that. Yeah, we're adapting. Uh, we we found, like everybody's found, that even though you work from home, you can still, the agency will still function and a lot of business will still function. And we've, we figured that out. And a lot of our folks, some folks hadn't been in our building since middle of March. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, and it's close to the public for now, just out of precaution, out of safety. And yeah. And we'll look and evaluate again in a couple of weeks to see if we're going to keep it closed or what we're going to do. And, uh, but we're still able to sell licenses, still able to, to do everything we've done before. Nothing's stopped as far as that goes. We've, we're, we're on top of it, boat registrations, everything. And, um, you know, our shooting ranges are open now. We've, mm-hmm. we've reopened them uh, with safety precautions there, too, with the virus. So, um, yeah, it's it's different. It's it's probably helped me in my transition to be director because I didn't just jump right into, you know, a pot of hot water. It was just kind of eased into it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been, been pretty good. And uh haven't been able to travel as much as I want to right. just because of restrictions and some meetings have been canceled and and things like that. But it's, that's that way for everybody. It's yeah. not just me and not just Tennessee. So Things are going more yeah. virtual and that kind of thing. And right. Meetings online, which can be done, you know. I mean, you're still face-to-face, not in person, but yep. uh, you can still make things happen. That's what I, was, I say all the time. I mean, you know, a lot of us are working from home, but things are still rolling. So And as, as everybody's probably seen, if you've been outside, it's the fishermen – are out there and boaters are out oh, there oh yeah big time Whew. big number which is great yeah you know, right yeah, exactly yeah the outdoors are open so you can go hunting fishing all the above it's, right. it's a good time to be outside and anybody calling in from the public you know our our information people are still answering the phones right. they might not be in the building but they're getting the calls and they're answering and taking yep. care of the customers exactly and then i want to mention this too our guys are still in the field i mean our officers are right. working our biologists are working our managers are planting fields and right. crops and things are growing if they're not flooded or something like that so we're, right. we're out there working for the sportsmen and women right right going strong Yep. All right. Well, Bobby, I appreciate you. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Jason. Taking time out of your day, too, to come in here and talk with us. So I appreciate that as well. Well, I enjoy being here, and uh, y'all do a great job with this. I listen to the, the podcast uh, myself, so I catch up, and y'all have, done some, y'all have had some really good ones. So right. How do you listen? Do you listen on? I probably won't listen to mine, but I'll probably listen to everybody else. <laughs> do you listen through the podcast or through Facebook? Where do you normally catch us? Uh, I do it through I through our website. Okay, yeah, so it's right yeah. there. We got all the options there on our website. So, yes. yeah, awesome. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, just go to tnwildlife.org and click on Wildcast, and you can find all the options and how to tune this. I like how you did that, Jason. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, hey, real quick, Todd, I'm going to pull this up for us. Oh, yeah, we've got a patch. we got a patch. There it is, full screen. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We're going to be selling this at shop.gooutdoors.com. Shop.gooutdoorstennessee.com. We'll get it right. But you can get the patch, and then there's also a hat for sale with the patch. So support breast cancer. All the money goes to Casting for Recovery. Good deal. All right. Breast Cancer Awareness. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you all. Thanks.